Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you glad you're here? I'm really glad I'm here. And I'm excited about what the Lord's doing. I'm not distracted by what the enemy's doing. I'm excited about what I know the Lord is doing. You do know he's not finished with America, right? And I'll tell you why in just a minute. It's not because he loves us more than other nations. It's because of the role he has chosen that we play in the harvest that's coming as a trumpet of the gospel. So anyway, I'm, I am thrilled to be here. Appreciate uh, Tim hosting these. Appreciate uh, you coming. I know some of you have driven in from outside the, the city, come from different parts of the state and probably different states. Anybody here tonight that you don't live in Ohio? Look at that, that's awesome. Indiana, probably, Kentucky, Michigan, probably have all those states here. That's good. I know we, I know we have people from those states represented. So I'm going to, I don't know how long I'm going to go tonight. I may, I may, uh, it is, I should have asked before I came up here, but what's your normal, I mean, do you, yeah, we can, I mean, I'm not going to wear the people out, but we can go as long as we want, right? Okay, so I may, you know, I, I've got several dreams I want to share with you and, and tell you what I think the Lord is saying. And um, first, first I want to, I want to back up in time. I suppose it was almost ten years ago, at least eight years ago. The Lord gave a dream to one of my spiritual sons for me, and in the dream, he was in a large, long convention center. And it was like the, not where a meeting like this was taking place, but where booths were set up and merchants were set up. And so it was long, long building with people scattered here and there. And at the far end, I was doing what he thought was probably a book signing because he could see me seated there. But he couldn't really uh, focus. I mean, he couldn't get a lot of the details because he was two or three hundred yards away in this building. But what he could see over me was the word war in capital letters. And I was sitting at a table under that sign. So he walked to me to greet me. And the closer he got, he could tell that there were smaller words under each letter, war, W-A-R. And he could see that under the W was wisdom, and under the A was and, and under the R was revelation. So the sign literally said war with wisdom and revelation. And then he said, as he 
got closer and looked at me, that I was, I don't know if I just morphed into this or if I looked this way the, the entire time and he could only really tell as he got closer. But he said, I was in this dream, like half of me was old, gray hair, you know, just the look of an older man. That was the side of me that was under the word wisdom. And the other half of me was young, like I am now. <laughs> and that side was under the word revelation. And that side had a pen writing. It spoke to me very strongly right after that. I'm not going to share this dream, but God gave my daughter a dream about wisdom and revelation. And the Lord for months dealt with me about these two dreams and I launched into a study on wisdom and revelation. You know, Ephesians 1 says Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So I became, it became clear to me, and by the way, there's, a, there's an Old Testament word. We don't have one in English that I know of. But in the Old Testament, there is a Hebrew word that embodies both concepts, not just wisdom, that which we've learned and, and walked out that has become not just knowledge, but the right application of knowledge and understanding, wisdom. So the word embodies wisdom, but it also embodies revelation. That's not what you learn. That's what is given to you spontaneously by Holy Spirit, whether it's a dream, whether it's a revelation from a scripture, whether it's a vision. Revelation is the now word of the Lord. And God started showing me if we're going to win a spiritual war, we're going to have to walk in both. Yes. It's not enough just to have revelation. You can have revelation and just make a mess. Yeah, you can get dreams and visions and you know see things. And if you don't know what to do with that, you just create confusion yeah. and you can make a mess. Sure but on the other hand, it's you can mess, you can, you can miss what God is doing and be very, very wise. Now, a lot of people don't think that way. They don't know that. Just because you're wise in the ways and scriptures, the ways of the Lord, scriptures, etc., that doesn't guarantee success because without revelation, you won't know how to apply the wisdom that you've gained. So we're in a season right now that I feel like it's very important that we walk in both. I actually believe that the gifts of apostle and prophet picture wisdom and revelation. The, it's not that apostles wouldn't have any revelation, but they would, they would lean more toward wisdom. Prophets would lean more toward revelation, and that doesn't mean they don't have any wisdom. It means what they are gifted to bring the most would fall in those categories. And in this season, we're going to have to listen to the prophets 
and apply the wisdom of what to do with that from the apostles. Yes. So I've been meditating on that once again, and I've been saying, asking the Lord to give us a fresh outpouring, baptism of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, the Lord says of the sons of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, they had understanding of the times. And the word understanding, there is that Hebrew word that embodies both wisdom and revelation. They understood the times with a knowledge of what Israel should do. The reason they had understanding of what to do is because they walked in a combination of wisdom and revelation. Daniel was said to operate in this uh, being, B-I-Y-N, this marriage of wisdom and revelation. Solomon walked in a marriage of this. So Daniel was able to be used by God to restore a nation, not be, just because he was wise, not just because he was a dreamer, but, but because he had an anointing and an impartation and a heart to walk in both wisdom and revelation. That's really not my message. That's just an introduction. And I'm throwing it out there because I, I consider this to be a prayer night. And I'm assigning you to pray with me that the leaders God has raised up in this hour to help the ecclesia do and accomplish everything he wants them to do, that they will walk in a very high level of wisdom and revelation. In fact, as I say it now, I, I, I see in the spirit a window opening. I knew the Lord was leading me to start with this, not really knowing fully why. But I, I can see in the spirit a window opening. And it is a window of wisdom and revelation. I'm just going to prophesy right now and say to you, there is a stronger joining coming quickly between the apostle and the prophet. Prophets need to walk very closely with apostles so that the apostles can help judge the words and help know what to do with those words. Apostles need to walk with the prophets because if they don't or move in a prophetic anointing themselves, really it should be both, they will get stale. And they will think they can build with good ideas because they have lots of them. They're thinkers. They're strategists. But they need the prophetic voice of the Lord, the revelation, to help them know the timing and the, to fine tune what God has given to them. 
So Lord, we ask you to open this window wide. We ask you to bring a stronger marriage of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Give us, Lord, what you gave Joshua, Daniel, Solomon, Paul prayed the Ephesian church would have it, Issachar. Give us the ability to hear, but also give us the spirit of wisdom. And I'm just going to pause here and say, this is not just understanding that comes from knowledge that you have gained over the years. Because Solomon was given a spirit of wisdom. Daniel was. Joshua, it says, uh, it is said of him that he had a spirit of wisdom because Moses laid hands on him. This was, this was an impartation that brought a gift that somehow opened the mind and put understanding from heaven into the mind of a man. So Lord, we're asking you for this to go to a higher level. Amen. We're asking you, Lord, that when we're called into high offices and positions, government positions, education positions, when we're asked to help rebuild nations, when we're asked to deal with crises that you will have men and women ready to speak with incredible revelation and incredible wisdom. Now, Lord, let this window open wide. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to pour this out from this window and baptize us afresh and anew. May we literally begin to think your thoughts. May we process your thoughts in such a way that we can apply heaven's understanding into the earth. Show us what to do in these strategic times when the enemy is fighting with great anger and, great, and very relentlessly to try and stop what you are doing, but that you would have leaders in the kingdom that know what heaven is saying, that can echo what heaven is saying, and apply what heaven is saying. We pray, Lord, that this will be strong enough that it will cause us not to be distracted by all the unbelief and all the garbage and all of the meaningless uh, rhetoric that flies uh, so strongly and, Lord, with such intensity. Give us ears to hear you. This is not just for leaders, by the way. This is for all of us. Lord, I pray for everyone watching. I pray for... I hope thousands of people tuning into this now or later that in their homes, their automobiles, they would lift their hands now 
and drink in this impartation from you. I pray that pastors and leaders that are struggling to know what to do next, how to build, how to prepare for what's coming. I pray, Lord, that they will be able to receive this impartation from heaven so that they can hear from you and that the loud noises around us would not distract us. Amen. All right, I feel good about that. I feel like I got something out and off of me that I needed to do. So I'm going to try to quickly now go through some dreams and give you my interpretation. First one, I know you've heard before, most of you. It's the dream that God has used to lead me to the meeting we're doing in October. It's a dream given to me in 2018. I've been sitting on this dream for a couple years. Sometimes the best thing to do with a dream is sit on it for a while you get understanding and revelation from the Lord about it. So Clay Nash sent me this dream. He said, Dutch, I dreamed last night that you and a small group of us were invited to see POTUS, President Trump, in the Oval Office. Upon arrival, after some small talk, President Trump, very much in humility, began to thank you for your leadership and the Appeal to Heaven prayer movement. He then gave you an Appeal to Heaven flag that he had signed, which I know is not an autograph. It's an endorsement from the highest position of authority in America of prayer and the prayer movement. He then requested of you, this is what we're going to do in October. He, he requested of you to organize a high level strategic prayer task force. And he told you he would be releasing directly to you significant issues for prayer. He also said he had received this instruction from Melania. I'm going to skip part of it, which I don't think is relevant for tonight. Because but then at the end, he said, can I pray for you? It was interesting that in the dream, President Trump asked if he could pray for us. I wonder if that's going to happen one of these days. I wonder if this is literal. Maybe this is literal. Here's what he said. Lord, let this man and these leaders convene a holy convocation that I might finish my eight years well and so that the ancient markers 
of our founding fathers be restored. He then presented to me a pager. And he said, when you see the number 2222, which is Isaiah 2222, is, is the verse God has given me. All of us, but it's, he's assigned that verse to me. That we have authority to open doors no one can close and close doors no one can open. So he gave me a pager and he said, when you see the number 2222, always answer your cell phone, even though there will be no caller ID. Obviously, dream he's saying, because it'll be from, from me, per request. I'm gonna read to you in just a minute two more dreams that Clay has had since then where this pager has buzzed with 2222 and President Trump has called me with messages. Because I'm receiving strategy for those, or from those. So the reason we're doing this gathering, we're gonna pray that he gets to finish his eight years because God is not finished with President Trump. No one's saying he's perfect. No one's saying we like everything that he does or his personality. Just forget all that. We're not voting for personality. We're voting for policy. And we're voting for, we're praying for life. For life, life. We need to shift the courts to end the shedding of innocent blood and see life restored. And most of what you hear about him in the secular media is a lie anyway, but we're, that's not even what, I focus, what I'm focused on right now when I think about this gathering, although I know that's important. But God has gripped me with this phrase that we must pray for him so that God can use him. Just, he's a part of it. He's not the, he's not the answer a part of it so that the ancient markers can be restored. Yeah. Now, I don't think there's anybody in this room tonight that would, that would sit here and foolishly say America does not have some things in her past that she's done wrong. Sure. Yeah, none of us just naively charge forward and say that America's perfect. We've done some despicable things. We know that. But at the same time, there's been tens of thousands of prayers over the last 20 years of repentance over those things. And at some point, you have to believe that the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from past iniquities and sins. You're gonna humble yourself and pray and turn and you have to believe at some point that he hears and heals, forgives and heals. So, God is saying now we have come to a point in this restoration process that the destiny that he has for America can be recovered. The ancient markers 
to me, and there may be other things you could say, but for me, the ancient markers would be, that God would be referring to, would be what, what he established this nation to do and to be. And to me, this is, this is, when you get to this point in the discussion, it's very simple. I've quoted this many times. Robert Hunt said in 1607, when he landed at Cape Henry and put that cross on the beach, he prophesied the destiny of America. The gospel, this is a quote, the gospel will go forth from these shores, not only to this land, but to all the nations of the earth. And it's just interesting, I mean, just, just as a little sign, probably not, excuse me, probably not a little sign, just I think four or five years ago, his, his remains were discovered at Jamestown. I mean, it was a sign that God was saying, what he spoke through this man is still speaking from the grave. But see, America has become the leading voice of the gospel ever. You know, Israel gave us the gospel, Messiah, salvation. That was their destiny. America's destiny was to be a trumpet of that gospel. To release that message. Is it any wonder that Satan hates America so much? And is it any wonder, I'm not talking about now, you know, people, what I'm about to say, I'm not talking about the fact that people, that we need, we always need to move forward in the area of justice. You know, past wrongs need to be made right. I'm, I'm not, racism that still exists to a degree needs to be dealt with. We still need to clean that up. But beyond that, isn't it interesting that in this season where God is talking about the ancient markers and saying, I want to restore the destiny of this nation, Satan's trying his best to destroy everything he can about our past, even the good past, because they don't like our Christian roots. Demons, principalities, and those they influence do not like our Christian roots. They do not like our destiny. They don't want it to be our destiny. They believe just as much in Islam, Hinduism, atheism, all of these other isms, just as much as they do Christianity, they fight to say this is not a Christian nation and we should not have anything publicly to do with God. Why do you think they do that? Because they're inspired by demons who hate the gospel. So it's not about America that we're praying or crying out that we can have the most or be the strongest or have the, have the most money or prosper more than anyone else. That is all to facilitate our destiny. That is not our destiny. Let me read to you a couple of quotes that I think reference our ancient markers.
George Washington said, and I could read you quite a few quotes from him, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, get ready, because you're not gonna hear separation of church and state here, okay? Just warning you. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. It is impossible. Get ready. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. George Washington. John Quincy Adams said this, the highest glory of the American Revolution. Now you'd think he's gonna say that, that we got our freedom. That, that's, not what he's, that's not what he's about to say. The highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. He was saying the highest glory is that a nation was raised up that was willing to marry with God. They say, we want to be a nation and a government under God, partnering with God, married, joined together. The principles of civil government and the principles of Christianity. Samuel Adams, he was character. Too many books up there. Samuel Adams said at the signing of the Declaration of Independence, which by the way has four references and the founding document of this nation has four references to God. The founding document of this nation has four distinct references to God. It calls him our lawmaker. Wouldn't you like to have that influence in Congress again? So that the idiocy and the selfishness and the power hungry. I just... They are shameless, many of them. They don't think they, they could care less about truth. He's referenced as our lawmaker, our creator, our judge, and our protector. After signing the declaration, Historians say some of these men wept openly. This is, this, is the, this is a part of what they signed for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence 
we mutually pledge to each other our lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. Some of them began to weep. You know what I believe? I believe the presence of God was hovering in the room. That's why I think they started weeping. Because I know God raised up this nation. This wasn't man's idea. This nation was God's idea. And it's still God's idea. And by the end of this year, we'll still be free. Yes, we will. We will still be free. We will be closer, moving more and more into the ancient markers. And we will become, once again, a incredible voice of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Revival is going to go to the planet. We're not, he said it, we're not going to sneak out of here. Jesus is not going to just, you know, just. How insulted must he be? Really? Come on, man. When religious leaders preach and teach that he can't do what he said he could do, there really won't be a glorious church that the gates of hell can't prevail against. That we're going to sneak out of here and he's going to rapture us out of here just before it all goes to hell. Come on. Let me just prophesy one more thing to you. He will not have returned by the end of this year. Just, just, just going to tell you that right now. I'm not telling you I know the hour or the day. I'm just telling you. And if I'm wrong, we get to heaven, you just come up and you just point at me and laugh and say, you were wrong. But I'm not the least bit worried about that. We'll be here at Christmas. And we'll still be free. And we'll be moving toward the fulfillment of Matthew 16, or Matthew 28 and Mark 16, and the greatest outpouring of Holy Spirit the world has ever seen. Because Jesus cares about these souls and the nations of the earth that his daddy told him were his. And he said that when the kings of the earth take their counsel together against him, that heaven starts to laugh, a laugh of derision. And then the father speaks and says, I've appointed my son and I've given him the nations and you better kiss the son or I'm going to crush you with a rod of iron. So it's not the purposes of God to get crushed. I said it before, I'll say it again. If you have any part of your theology that allows God to lose, you need to change your theology. Because it's an ever, his kingdom is an ever increasing kingdom which will not pass away. And the ancient of days is about to rule in favor of the saints and give us what we've been asking for because the blood of Jesus is greater than all of our sin, all of our weaknesses, all of our inabilities, all of our iniquities, and everything we've done in the past. There's been plenty of intercession and repentance over the last 25 years in this, this nation to have cleansed us from every bit of that. Some of them wept. 
others like Witherspoon bowed their heads in prayer, talking about at the signing of the declaration. And Samuel Adams rose and said, we have this day restored the sovereign to whom alone men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven and from the rising to the setting sun, may his kingdom come. Yes. That was announced at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Don't tell me we're a Muslim nation just as much as we're a Christian nation or that we're a Hindu nation just as much as we are a Christian nation. We love all those people. They're welcome here in America. Nobody's, nobody's saying we, need, we should hurt them. That's, that's not the point of any of this. The point is, what did he, he raise up this nation to be? And we're on a mission to see those ancient paths, foundations, markers be restored, and they're gonna be restored. Comes a point when you just have to, you just have to finally say, we don't care if we offend you. Truth is truth. John Adams said facts are stubborn things. You may not like our heritage. You may not like these things, but, but they're true nonetheless. And God's, God's about to show people that he's stronger than they think he is. I've said it before, I'll say it again. He is not nervous. He is not intimidated. Let me just read you one more thing about these markers. I could give you many more facts than what I'm about to give you regarding education in America. But 106 out of the first 108 colleges in America were founded on the Christian faith. I hope this goes viral. 106 out of 108 of the first 108 colleges in America were founded on the Christian faith. Students at Harvard were required to read the scriptures twice daily. Oh, the Bible's not welcome in public education. That would be unconstitutional. Idiots, thank you. Harvard's founders stated, all knowledge without Christ is vain. Harvard's motto was, for Christ and the church. The rules and precepts of Harvard said, 
quote, every student shall consider the main end of his study is to know God in Jesus Christ. Listen to it again. The rules and precepts of Harvard stated, every student shall consider the main end of his study is to know God in Jesus Christ. Princeton's motto was, under the protection of God, she flourishes. Jonathan Dickinson, the first president of Princeton, said, and I quote, cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. Countless other examples could be given. Under God is more than a religious quote stuck in the Pledge of Allegiance to satisfy America's Christian zealots. It is, in fact, our history. We are coming together in a holy convocation to pray that he finishes his eight years well and the ancient markers of our founding fathers be restored. Amen. Now let me, let me read you a couple of dreams. What time is it? Is it past your bedtime? couple of these or not. I'll cut out one of these because two of them, two of them are all about the same point really. Here's a dream sent to me recently. This man had the dream three nights in a row. Tell him to call back. For the third time in as many days I dreamed, this is a pastor or leader that I'm somewhat connected to and a close man, a friend of mine is very connected to in Arkansas. For the third time in as many days I dreamed, the Dutch sheet stood before President Trump. Standing behind him was the ecclesia. See, I know that, I've said this before, most of the time when I'm pictured in a dream, I, most of the time, I know it's what I represent. It's the, prayer, it's the praying church. It's the ecclesia. It's the apostolic, prophetic ecclesia. So it's not literally me, although sometimes I receive dreams where it is literally me. But I, so I was standing there, the ecclesia was there behind me. He said, we were standing on the lawn of the White House. Now, when he says the ecclesia was there, he said in the dream there were thousands. There were hundreds, probably thousands of people there of the ecclesia, the church, the governing army of God, government of God on the earth. We were at the White House on the lawn. President Trump was like a deflated balloon figure. Like a, 
helium balloon that was running out of helium and kind of just deflating. Well, I don't honestly know, I don't know how the man has stood three years of 24-7 lies and hatred and curses and witchcraft and idiocy. He was almost out of helium. He was bent over and tired. I and the ecclesia began to prophesy. We prophesied to him that only the Holy Spirit can revive and fill you. Only Holy Spirit can revive and fill you. The ecclesia began to prophesy, pray and decree into his administration and re-election campaign in the dream. President Trump was filled with the Holy Spirit and became so large they looked like one of the giant balloon figures you see in car dealerships. He became unstoppable. His hands were raised to heaven in thanksgiving to God. And then we said to him, Mr. President, I'll listen to the whole statement before you, before you react. We said, Mr. President, you're the only thing standing between us and the hostile takeover of our nation by the radical left. You are giving us time to allow the Holy Spirit to take our nation back into a great awakening. Read it again. You are giving us time. See, the changes, we need changes in government, but the changes in government are not going to restore America. What we have to have is a spiritual transformation. Good laws alone won't do it. Good leaders can't do it. You are giving us time to allow the Holy Spirit to take back, to take our nation back into a great awakening. Thank you, and the ecclesia applauded and cheered. Now, I don't, I don't, I, I doubt very seriously if this man knows that he's been put in there to do this. I just think he's just. I mean, God just needs somebody stubborn. He didn't need him to be right all the time, just stubborn. And right enough to get us positioned so that God could do what he wants to do. Now we're we're going to we're going to pray and prophesy tonight. We're going to do it again in October in this holy convocation that President Donald John Trump has an encounter with God and becomes filled with Holy Spirit. One day, maybe he'll just mostly tweet scriptures. <laughs> Jesus loves you, America. 
God is good all the time. Maybe he'll tweet prophetic words. This is what a prophet told me this week. I'm going to just decree it over America. America shall be saved. The ancient markers are being restored. We're going to be a great trumpet of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can assure you, if he thinks he should, he will, and he won't care what anybody thinks. So that's his greatest strength and his greatest weakness. So, <clears throat> let me read you another one. Because we got to pray for this man. Dreamed the morning of June 24th that President Donald John the Beloved Trump. Had a press conference to ask for intercession regarding a trip he was taking to the headwaters of the Allegheny River. I'm not sure yet what Allegheny is all about, that river. I'm looking into it, praying into it. But I know that the headwaters is very significant here. It's the birth. It's, it's the point of beginning. The origin. The ancient markers. So he's going to take a trip up the Allegheny in a small open boat by himself. The day he made the trip, the praying church was lined on both banks of the river. Standing behind the praying church was the cloud of witnesses adding their agreement. Sam Adams was probably there. Yeah. And Quincy and John and Abe and George. The devil hates it when I say that. The left hates it when I say that. They were standing behind the praying church You've got today and you've got history, the synergy of the ages. Adding their agreements to the declarations and decrees of the praying church. As President Trump traveled upstream in an open boat, Asian carp would jump up from the river seeking to impact him. Maybe China, I'm not sure. Certainly not a, a reference to Asian people. But perhaps leaders, evil leaders. I love the Chinese people. 
but they would fly up out of the water and try to hit him. But the praying church would decree and intercede and the fish would be slammed back down below the surface of the water and they couldn't hit him. Once he reached the headwaters, he began to decree about America completing its course and finishing well. Completing our course and finishing well. Completing our assignment and finishing well. Completing our assignment and finishing well. He says the carp were hit with flashes of bright light, which he thinks in the dream were angels. I believe there is a great possibility of conflict with China, but I don't believe we're headed to the third world war. So I believe God's going to intervene and I believe they're going to get slammed with the same revival we're going to get slammed with. But it's not time for world war three. It's time for harvest. read you one more. I dreamed the morning of July 16th. That would have been just two or three days ago. The Dutch received 22-22 on his pager. There's another one. I did not read to you where I received a 2222 alert on my pager to pray for the president. But this one I'll read to you. It's fascinating. He gets this dream in 2018, Clay Nash. And in the dream, Trump gives me this pager. And now he's had two more dreams with the pager in 2222 in it. This signaled, the 2222 on the pager signaled that a phone call would come on his phone from a blocked number. Dutch's phone rang and it was President Trump. He informed Dutch, this, is, this, is, this, is, this could sound self-serving, okay, I know that. But it's not. He informed Dutch that the timing of the Reset 2020 Holy Convocation was very significant. He said that there will be a tipping point in October. That he could not release details about at this time. He informed Dutch that the dates 8, 9, and 10 were significant as, of course, 11 follows that, which is number of transition, which is what he said 
as 11 follows and the transition would begin in October as a result of this tipping point and the reset of 8, 9, 10, and 11 would result in 12 God's government being established. Amen. That the previous government that had been as a peg driven firmly will fail and all that had been hung on the peg would fail. POTUS said the failing would complete the firing of Shebna, which is Isaiah 22. This reset of heaven's government being released would result in the greatest measure of heaven's authority ever seen in this nation since the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I'm going to read that again. This reset of heaven's government being released would result in the greatest measure of heaven's authority ever seen in this nation since the signing of the Declaration of Independence. He instructed Dutch that, this, that the legislative authority, the holy convocation would move in, will result in a leader shift of great proportion. He said, expect papers to be delivered that would give national authority to release spiritual understanding essential in the restoring of the ancient markers of our fathers. He then stated, without the ecclesia taking its faithful stand with their weapons, the tipping point will not take place. In other words, if we don't pray, it won't happen. President Trump then said, thank them all for their faithfulness and tell them I'm watching. I struggle sometimes with knowing at what point some of these dreams are gonna get literal with his involvement. I believe we are gonna to get to a place where he's gonna boldly contact leaders in the church and say, I need prayer for this now. If he doesn't already. I probably had five dreams given to me in the last year or so that reference the ancient markers or the ancient path of the founders. So we're gonna plow through all of the unbelief, all the lies, all the rewriting of our history. We're gonna abandon the bad and we're gonna cling to the good. What needs to be torn down can be torn down. We're going to abandon the bad. We're going to hold fast to the good. The ancient boundaries that he set up that are all about his kingdom 
purposes in the earth. And we're going to see that restored. going to see a Bible tweeting president. I just know it. Come on up. Come on up, worship team. Tim, we're going to pray. I used to, I used to pull back somewhat from talking too much about government in meetings like this because there's always somebody that accuses you of being political. And really I don't like politics and, and I don't like the political spirit, but I love government. And I love government because God is government. He is the lawgiver, the judge, and the king. And all government is supposed to flow from him and when it works the way he intends it to work, it brings peace, wholeness, righteousness, health, prosperity. That's the way it's supposed to work. When man gets involved and perverts it, then it turns into uh, illicit power, and perversion of power. So I don't like the political spirit. I'm not into politics, but I am into government. I've gone past the point now of caring what anybody thinks when I that, that would think that we shouldn't talk about these things in a in a gathering like this. Nothing could make Satan happier than for the church to not be involved in prayer such as this. his kingdom to come into this nation and his will to be done. Unashamedly, boldly, we're going to invite his kingdom to come and his will to be done in this nation. We're going to ask for restoration of the ancient markers. We're going to ask for a, continue, a continued transformation of the courts until there is a majority of women and men in this nation sitting on benches that can't find the word abortion in the word privacy. Most Americans don't know that is the one word that the Roe v. versus Wade decision was based on, the right to privacy. And in the word privacy, they found the right to legislate abortion. You just pretty much have to be crazy to believe that that's possible. But we're gonna see the continued transformation of the courts. We're gonna see, continue to see dishonesty and injustice people with, without integrity exposed. And I don't care what party they're with. Makes zero difference to me. We're going to see God exalted again over this nation. 
this nation. It transforms this nation from the inside. principalities and powers. 
We bind the plans and we say the plans of those that have conspired against Jesus Christ in this nation will fail. We ask for angels to be released by the millions to, to help us now. The greatest army that's ever existed, the hosts of heaven, with the cloud of witnesses and the angels of heaven. And as you make your way up that river to the headwaters, we will not fail to lift you up and intercede for you, President Trump. We say you'll get there and you prophesy that America will finish well and finish the course, finish well. I bind every stronghold over the Capitol and over the White House and over the court. And I say your plans will fail. You are destined to fail. You are destined to fail. Kingdom of God, rule of God, domain of Jesus, come to, to Washington, D.C. begin to crumble in dramatic fashion.